for tuning in to the 338th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always, recording this at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Going to have Ben Karen on host of the Sports Grobbler podcast to preview NFL for week four and college football for week five. We are going to get into it all. Now, before we get into that, here's what I'm going to do. Give you a little bit of my shameless plug, right? First time listener, thank you. Subscribe and follow right now, like literally right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads or Facebook group chats, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post uh, three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. Follow me on Twitter at night train underscore lane. I'll say it again at night train underscore lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, give me five stars and leave a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the podcast, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't. Say it at all. And coming up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Ben Karen, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast. Coming up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Gwilder Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm great tonight. How are you, Daryl? I am doing fantastic. So, the first thing I have to ask you is this. So, we have Thursday Night Football, Jaguars versus Bengals. The Bengals win... 24 to 21. They are now 3 and 1. Now you as the Bengals are your resident AFC team. Are the Bengals going to make a playoff run then? I think it's a possibility, Daryl. Um, I think myself and other people, we we maybe all um, overlooked the Bengals a little bit. Now, once um, on on record a long time uh, back when uh, Joe Burrow uh, was starting his rookie season, I thought they were going to win 10 games with him. And I really thought that. And uh, people were laughing at me, saying I was crazy. But I like what I'm seeing this year. Joe Burrow is back. He's healthy. Uh, and this Bengals offense, Daryl, is humming. Now, obviously, um, in this game or this cat fight tonight between the Jaguars and the Bengals, um, Burrow played really well, I think. You know, when you're looking at it and um, you go 25 for 32, 348 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, you're clearly getting the job done. Jaguars came for a fight tonight. And they made it close. Um, and this is now the second week in a row where we're starting to see uh, Urban Meyer 
Uh, we were talking about last week. He seems to be kind of closing the gap a little bit. Um, but I, I think the Bengals are going to be very dangerous moving forward. I think they're clearly better than the Steelers. We've seen Baltimore falter a little bit at times uh, so far this year. There's a possibility the Bengals might be the second best team in the AFC North, Daryl. Yeah, and Burrow, I think people forget, and I think there's a lot of skeptics out there on Joe Burrow, and I don't understand it, Ben. Like, to me, like, Joe Burrow's amazing. Like, he's just athletic enough where he can move within the pocket. He can move outside the pocket, make plays. He's a really accurate. He's tough. He's a leader. Like, and you can just see how he's changed the culture. And even with the connection with him and Jamar Chase, and they have Tyler Boyd, they have Higgins. Like, they have some dudes on there. Joe Mixon. Like, they got some dudes. I'm liking what I'm seeing from them. I mean, I didn't like them being down 14 nothing at halftime to the Jaguars tonight. But uh, they came back in the second half. They're 3-1 and one now. Uh, big win last weekend at Pittsburgh. I think this is a for-real team. Yeah. And I think they're... If they don't make the playoffs, they're they're gonna they're gonna play a spoiler to somebody else. Um, I, I think they're gonna get some the wins and surprise some people this year. But I think one good thing about this game is they handle their business because it's very easy when you're coming off a divisional win, a high against the Steelers, and then you lay an egg. Like I know they were down fourteen, you know, but in the second half they dominated. They did what they were supposed to do, and they won the game. I think that is. A big show of improvement from what we've seen from the Bengals in the past. Oh, yeah. 100%. I do agree with you. I think Burrow is changing the culture. And it's a tough culture to change in Cincinnati. If we talk about, I believe, the only team in the NFL that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, with, um, with Joe Burrow being there, with Joe Burrow trying to change the culture and the Bengals starting to pick up wins, then maybe they're going to improve their facilities and, um, in return, improve their shot of getting free agents down the road and garnering more respect in the NFL. So Trevor Lawrence, uh, 17-24, 204 yards, uh, had a rushing touchdown. Mediocre is a game. Wouldn't say it's anything, you know, to be necessarily proud of. Any concerns that Trevor hasn't had one signature game yet? It's all been very mediocre to bad. I don't have any concerns for him right now. Um, when, you, when you look at the coaching staff, I know some people have been critical of the coaching staff, and Urban Meyer, of course, is still trying to learn the NFL. Trevor's still trying to learn the NFL as a quarterback. And quite frankly, they are they are undermanned as far as their skilled position players in comparison to almost any other team in the NFL. Um, so it's easy to not look very good uh, when you don't have any skilled players around you. And I know we were talking a little bit off air today about uh, New England Patriots in that situation. I think Jacksonville's in a similar situation. Uh, they don't really have any game breakers on on on, um, on the offense at the skilled position. So, Ben, a gun to your head, who's going to have the better career, Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, man. Um, I'm 
going to have to go with Trevor. I think he's just less injury-prone. Um, I like Burrow a lot, but it does concern me that Burrow gets injured from time to time. I think Trevor's just a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit more durable. And as much as people like Joe Burrow, nobody was saying he's a generational talent when he entered the NFL. People were saying that about Trevor Lawrence, so I will still favor Lawrence in the long run. Although I'm not sure I would favor him over the next five years. I think Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, they're, you know, their arcs are very interesting because they both ended up being number one picks, but obviously they got there two very different ways. Joe Burrow was like a four-star, Trevor was a five-star. Uh, one guy had to transfer out. One guy was a three-year starter on a national power. Uh, so let me give it to you this way. Let's say Granger ends up being a quarterback, right? Not an offensive lineman, Ben. He ends up being a star quarterback. Would you rather have him take the Joe Burrow path or the Trevor path? Well, I think I'd rather him take the Joe Burrow path, honestly. Um, I mean, minus the injury, of course, but um, it's, if we're just talking about the pathway um, where you're going to run into obstacles and you're going to have to overcome some things, um, I, I think that, um, that that's probably better prepared Burrow for the NFL. So one of the big games that's going to happen uh, this weekend, and you mentioned this to me off air, you're like, Daryl, we got a lot of good games. Uh, and I have to get your take on this before we even get to our predictions because of the magnitude. Tom Brady's going back to Foxborough on Sunday night. What do you just, just give me your thoughts on that. Well, um, I mean, anytime that you have a, a situation like this where the quarterback has played on a team for a long time, and now he's on a different team, and he's returning to play his old team. I mean, I, I think emotions run high. Um, generally, what I've seen over the course of time is um, the quarterback who left tends to have a chip on their shoulder, and, and they play pretty well um, and win the game usually, and I think that's what we're going to see. Um, I think Tom Brady's going to light up the Patriots. Uh, similarly, maybe to how Brett Favre was lighting up the Packers once he joined the Vikings. Do you think we're going to see, like, do you think this is going to be a bigger deal than, like, when LeBron went back to Cleveland for the first time? Like, because I'm trying to think moments in sports where a player came back. I, I just, I think it's going to be a smaller deal, and one of the reasons why is because, I, like, they're hyping this game up, it's on Sunday night, but folks, don't buy all the hype. <laughs> oh, it's not a game for the fans, Ben? This is not a game for the fans. Go do your chores. Go do what you got to do to get ready for your job on Monday. Um, it, it's probably not worth the watch because I don't. I don't even think the Patriots are going to be able to stay in this game with the, with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially after the Buccaneers got popped a little bit last weekend by the Rams. Uh, it's going to light a fire under them, and I, I just think it's going to get ugly at Foxborough. How bad do you think... Do you think both Brady and Belichick care? Like, do you think this is just another game for both of them? Oh, no way. They both care. So, so why do you think it's going... Because, you know, Bill's always kind of like, you know, it's, you know, on to the next, on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati. And Brady says, you know, it's, he can't reminisce right now. But, but you think they're both lying. You think, like, they both really want this. I, I, don't, I don't even think that... Um that they believe themselves when they say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, um, 
a crazy thing to, to even to even say and expect anybody to believe. I mean, we're talking two guys that are super competitive with big egos, uh, who both want to show the other one that they're better off uh, now than they were when they were together. So, yeah, I, I, I think they both want it, and they both want it very badly. Do you think they'll uh, talk after the game? Like when everybody's talking after the game, you know, have a handshake or whatever? Um, I think there'll be about a handshake, and that'll be it. Bill Belichick is not one to talk after the game very often. So you don't even think he'll do that with Tom? I think he'll shake his hand and that's it. Now, he's probably going to pass, well, he is going to pass Drew Brees' passing record. Do you think fans will give him a standing ovation? Yes. So there will be no booze. So so you think it's going to be all love? It's going to be all love. It's not going to be hostile. I, I Yeah, I think it's going to be all love. I mean, the man has delivered... Um, Six Super Bowls to New England. I, I don't. I don't think the fans um, are going to disrespect him that way. I think a lot of them are sympathetic to why he left to begin with. <laughs> Do you think there's any part of Bill Belichick, or, or maybe Robert Kraft? Maybe that's the better way to pose. Is there any part of Robert Kraft that's like, you know? I get that it's cool that, you know, Tom gets to do his own thing in Tampa and Bill gets to do his own thing still here, but it'd be really cool if both of them were still here doing it together for me. I don't think so. I mean, I think Robert Kraft probably sees it as, I got six Super Bowls um, out of this combo, and, you know, we, we kept this together as long as we could. And, you know, now we're, we're on to the next. And I, I sincerely think people in, in Foxborough uh, do believe long-term in Mac Jones. Uh, but they understand it's going to take a little bit of time for him to um, come along as a quarterback in the NFL. As somebody that grew up in the New England uh, area, how loved is Tom Brady there? I mean, he's, he's very loved. You know, when you're talking about the guy that brought home six Super Bowl rings, you know, an entire generation, my entire generation, Daryl, we grew up watching Tom Brady when we were in junior high, when we were in high school, when we were in college. Uh, and, and not only did we grow up watching him, but we grew up watching him win the big games time after time after time. And, you know, at, at that time, he was, he was representing our part of the country. Um, and, you know, I, I think in, in the hearts and minds of a lot of people, he, he made the New Englanders very proud. So um, I, I, I would be shocked if, he, if anybody booed him, to be honest with you, on Sunday. Okay. I mean, I, I can't even fathom that happening. In terms of, like, you know, athletes in New England, like, of all time, right? Where, where do you think Brady ranks in terms of how, like, how much fans love them, their people, their athletes? Well, I, I think he's the most beloved athlete, at least in my lifetime, in the last 30-something years to come from, from that area. Okay, so even more than, like, if I say, like, David Ortiz, more than David Ortiz, more than Paul Pierce? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I mean, I think I'll probably have David Ortiz uh, second in my lifetime. Where would somebody like Bird rank? Would Bird or that's... Well, Bird was a little bit before my time. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously he'd, he'd be ranked uh, pretty high if we're talking all-time. Um, but it, it, it is a little bit hard because my generation did not grow up watching Larry Bird play. That's fair. Gronk, where would Gronk be? Um, 
you know, I'm not sure he'd be in the top ten, to be honest with you. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Where would Belichick be? Was Belichick really beloved? No. No. <laughs> you know, he makes it he makes it hard for people to like him, I think. He doesn't have a lot of personality. He doesn't um he's not very open with the public. I mean I think, you know, people there respect him, but there are these um these whispers and, you know, um, proven cheating scandals and things like that. You know, I think there's always a little bit um, of mystery and conflict surrounding Bill Belichick, and, and I just think a lot of a lot of people don't like that too much, so they don't um, don't tend to favor him the way they might Tom Brady. And lastly, on the Brady Belichick thing, I'll ask you this: What's your what's the best Brady Belichick moment in their time in New England together? You know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I, I think the best moment for them or the best game uh, was probably when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles in 2004 um, and, and won their third Super Bowl in four years because that's just such a remarkable accomplishment. Um, you know, Tom Brady's still younger on in his career. Um, Bill Belichick at, at, at the helm uh, and they're... They still have the powerhouse defense, and Brady is marching the team down the field late to get that game-winning field goal. So I think that was maybe when they were at their height, their peak, was was, uh, that Super Bowl win. Now, Ben, if I told you in 2004 that this was only just the beginning, what would you have said to me? Well, I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily disagreed because winning three Super Bowls in four years is not something that many teams are able to accomplish. Um, But I would have been shocked to have known at that time just the longevity, how long Tom Brady would be playing for, how many more Super Bowl rings he he would get for the Patriots. Um, You know, and then they'd even win more after he left. So if I told you he's going to play about 20 more years, (laughs) you'd be like, huh? I mean, it's crazy to think about, Daryl. I mean, it just is. Like, I was watching Tom Brady play when I was in the seventh grade, and now I'm in my thirties and he's still playing. <laughs> and he was winning Super Bowls when I was thirteen, and he's still winning them now. Hey, he just—he just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's like fine wine. He doesn't age. He just gets better. I mean, it's—it's it's an incredible thing witness it really is so I, I want to go to the NBA so obviously there are mandates COVID mandates in both New York City and in uh, San Francisco the Bay Area where you can't really go to public places if you're not vaccinated and this particularly affects Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins there are other players in the NBA who aren't vaccinated like Bradley Beal in Washington but that doesn't affect them due to the laws there uh, what do you think because really this is really important because Golden State's a team that want the Clay's coming back. They kind of want to make a run. Wiggins is a guy who's a solid defender. He averaged 18 points per game. He's somebody that they're going to need if they want to really compete. He's going to have to help the team. Kyrie is, you know, one of the best players in the world, top 15 player in the NBA, all-star, all-NBA caliber guy. And it seems like both these guys could be in situations where there are two teams who would like to contend. They won't be able to play for home games. So what do you think about that, Ben? 
by saying something that I, I, I tend to uh, reflect on with my students a lot. Um, you know, um, when, when we talk about vaccination and things like that, how it's going to impact athletes, um, and, and how that all works in this country, we also have to talk about freedom, right? Um, people are kind of free to do as they do as they want up into a certain extent, as long as it's not hurting other people. Um, but what comes along with that freedom is that people have to live with the consequences of the choices they make. So, um, in, in this case, you know, both of these guys are, are making a choice and they have to be prepared to live with the consequences as do their teams. Um, what it really shakes out to long term is, you know, if, you, if you're unable to do your job, you probably uh, should not be entitled to the pay on it. Um, when I look at the Brooklyn Nets and, and the Golden State Warriors, though, in these specific situations, I, I do want to say that one thing that I think um, both of these players have in common is I think both of them owe their teams. We know with Kyrie Irving, he came in, he was injured for a long period of time. Uh, you know, he did not play his first season when they're in the bubble. Um, and then, and and then season starts back up. The new season, he just leaves for two weeks. The man has not shown any real interest, I don't think, in playing basketball. Um, and of course, you know, he was unavailable for some of the most important playoff games of the series. Um, and, and at this point in time, if, if I'm the Nets, I'm about ready to put my foot down and, and do something with Kyrie. Uh, whether that be a trade scenario, uh, whether whether that be just telling him to stay home, <laughs> we're, we're not going to deal with you, um, whether it be cutting him, um, whatever the case might be, I think that they have to put down the foot um, and really set a, set a line in the sand for him. Uh, and I know he's talked out, well, he might just retire. Well, you know, that's a decision he's going to have to make because the way I look at it, if you're only playing half the games, uh, then you're already on your way to retirement. Um, you're clearly not dedicated to your craft. You know, you're, you're clearly also disrespecting Kevin Durant, who came to this team with you uh, and wanted to do this thing together. Yeah, and Ben, I do want to add, he can't even... He can't. He, they can't even tell him to stay home. He can't show up. He can't show up to the practice facility. <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> it, it's just a big problem, man. You know, you can't do your job. Yeah, and um, uh, with, with the Wiggins, Im I just want to with Wiggins. You know, he owes his team too. For a long time, people just said, "Oh, Andrew Wiggins. You know, he got a big payday, but he's not really deserving of that." And here comes Golden State, and they find a way make him relevant again and I just think it's a it's a it's a bad way to repay your team and the fans um, by making decisions where you're not going to be available to play and that's going to be a problem for him you know I think Golden State should really consider trading him you know I mean as much as I'm kind of against um the Ben Simmons thing, and I'm not a huge fan of Ben Simmons, I might be on the phone to Philadelphia. You know, Daryl Morey is actually willing to uh, be reasonable about a possible trade. I might look at Wiggins for him. 
plus or minus another another asset. Not not what Maury wants, but I, I would I would be open to having those conversations if if I was the Golden State Warriors. Oh, I think Golden State would be open to them to them too. I think what's going to end up happening is the NBA and the Players Association have already announced that if these players aren't playing because they're unvaccinated, particularly in these two cities, that they're they're not getting paid for half the game. So if Kyrie's making 40, he's only going to get 20. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, I'd have to imagine both these guys are going to get vaccinated. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just, it, it would just stun me. Like, is Kyrie, like, Theoretically, Ben, is, is Kyrie really going to do this for the whole year, right? And then let's say I'm there in the NBA Finals against the Lakers. Is he really not going to be playing home games? Like, are, is that is that really what this is going to come down to? I, I, I just don't believe it. Well. Could you really see him doing that? For, for Wiggins, I think the end result is he'll eventually get vaccinated. Kyrie is such a wild card. It's, on, it's nearly impossible to predict what the guy's going to do. I, you know, I... Whenever you feel like you have a pulse on what he might do, he does something completely different. I, I really think he could just retire and walk away from the game. I, I mean, it, I, I actually could envision a scenario where, where we see that. Because I'm not even sure he really wants to play basketball anyways. You know, that's that, that's very true. I, I, it's just hard for me to imagine that. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, Harden and Katie are going to be like, what the F is going on? Blake Griffin, like, they're all going to look at him like Steven Nash is going to be like, huh? Like, you just can't do that. There's no way. That That's just, I, I just couldn't imagine. It's like in the NBA Finals, they're going back to Brooklyn and Kyrie's like, he can't play. Can't even be in the building. Right. Well, I mean, if I'm KD, I'm wondering right about now why I ever left Golden State. No, that, yeah, that's... That's true, and I think, you know, Kyrie, they were talking about contract extensions, obviously, and there's been reports about this, he's not getting, Brooklyn Nets aren't talking about a contract until he gets the vaccination, because uh, it's bothering people in Brooklyn, I think it's bothering uh, Sean Marks and the management there that this is not done, because they thought this would be done already, and it hasn't happened. Well, you, you look at, at the rest of the team, you know, and, and if Kyrie walks away from the game of basketball right now, He's going to leave a lot on the table. And I think all his teammates, the ownership, the fans, everybody's going to say, well, what if? You know, and that's a, that's a hard thing to walk away from. What if um, we had an opportunity to win maybe multiple championships and we never did it? Because, but let's be real here. Without Kyrie, the Nets were an inch away from, from potentially winning the NBA Finals last year. I mean, they had the uh, the guys that wanted on the ropes. And a hobbled Harden. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they might be good enough to win even without Kyrie, as long as they're able to get some of that salary cap off the books and move some new pieces in. Uh, but obviously, I think they'd be better if they had him playing, but his head has to be in the game. Yeah. And, and I do want to say this also. When they did just have Kyrie and KD and Harden was hurt at the beginning of that series, they had destroyed the Bucks in both Game 1 and Game 2. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Kyrie's special. Uh, gun to your head right now. Do you think, and I know he's a wild card, do you think he ends up getting it? How do you think this ends? Do you think we're really going into the regular season and Kyrie's just not playing home games? 
yes. I think so. Wow, that's... He's such a wild card, I don't think he cares whether he plays or not. Now, do you think, at what point does Kevin Durant get in his ear? Like, what, what point do you think management and Kevin Durant are like, we gotta trade this dude? Oh, I think they're already in his ear. I think it's not public, but I think that's what's happening behind the scenes. Because Kevin Durant is here to play basketball. That guy wants to win, that guy cares about his legacy, I believe, and, and, and I think he's just about tired of all this nonsense. I don't. I wouldn't blame him. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and then come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into our Week Four NFL predictions. Come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. So, Ben, week four, NFL predictions, Tennessee Titans at New York Jets. Who you got? Oh, I've got the Titans in this one, Daryl. It's going to be a great day if you're Derrick Henry. going to get a lot of rushing yards. Start Derrick Henry in your fantasy league. I'm going to go with the Titans here, 28, the Jets, 14. I'm going to, ooh, you see, this is tough. This is tough. Because I'm still not sold on the Titans' defense. There's uh, nothing tough about this. No, no, Ben, I'm just thinking about it from a spread perspective. But, no, in terms of winning outright, the Titans are winning. The Titans are winning. I just think this game could be potentially closer than we may think. Uh, just because I, the Jets' offense has been so bad recently. I feel like in the Tennessee Titans' defense is so bad as well. I think maybe something could give there, and we could see uh, the Jets put up some more yards. I'll, I'll say uh, I'll say they win. I'll say 24 to 14 Titans. 24 to 14 Tennessee Titans. Uh, but maybe this game is a little closer at certain points than you may expect, because I, I don't have faith in the Tennessee Titans defense. Uh, but next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. I know a lot of people talking about the Chiefs right now. One and two, one and two. Well, they're going to level this out this weekend, Daryl. They're going to get back to 500, and they're going to uh, fall out of the, uh, the media criticism. Uh, and I think they're going to beat the Eagles, and I think it's going to be fairly easy for them. I'm going to say Kansas City 30, Philadelphia 16. I'm going to go with. Kansas City uh, 34 and I'll say Philly 13. Uh, This is going to be a get-right game for the Chiefs. Next up, we have the Carolina Panthers at the Dallas Cowboys. This should be a a game for the fans, right, Ben? I think it's definitely going to be a game for the fans. This is going to be maybe one of the better games all weekend. And all I've got to say about this one is how about them Cowboys, Daryl? The Cowboys are going to win this game this weekend. It's going to be close. It's going to be a great game for the fans. But at the end of the day, I'll go with Dallas. 30, 
Carolina 27. I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to go with the Panthers, and I'll say Carolina wins 26-23. to 23. Dak is playing well. This is Cowboys off. Their defense is coming along, too. And Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Uh, he's been a really good for them uh, as a linebacker, being like a guy in the middle of the field that can kind of disrupt the quarterback with his length and being a little bit of a rusher. Uh, and they've had good cornerback play from Diggs as, as well. But the Panthers are the best defense in the NFL. Uh, McCaffrey's not going to play, but they still have the weapons. I think they're going to find a way to run the ball. And I think their defense is going to you know, be, be a little bit of a struggle for Dak. I, I think the defense is going to make some plays. So I'm going to go with the Panthers 26-23. Next up, we have the New York Football Giants at the New Orleans Saints. Are the Giants going to get their first one of the season, Ben? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Saints, and I'm going to say the Saints uh, went 31 to the Giants, 17. Uh, just I think New Orleans is a better team. They're just a better team. Uh, and uh, the Giants, I don't think they have the talent to go toe-to-toe with the Saints just yet, particularly playing at New, or- New Orleans. I think this is going to be the first game at New Orleans, by the way, as well. Uh, since Hurricane Ida. So that should be something to look out for as well. Next up, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Minnesota Vikings. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with Cleveland in this one, Daryl. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to control the clock. And I think Kirk Cousins and that offense is going to spend a lot of time on the sidelines. I'll go with Cleveland to win close on the road, 17-16. to 16. Ben, this is an upset pick, Ben. I'm very close to picking an upset. I'm very close, but I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Uh, I'm going to go with the Browns 23-20. to But don't be shocked, folks, if Minnesota wins this. Ben knows full well after what they did with Seahawks. The Vikings are live in this thing. But I'm going to go with the Browns. I think they're going to be able to run the ball, pound the rock. And I think her Cousins is going to have a couple turnovers that swing the momentum of the game. Now, next up, we have the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Ah, man, I am going to go for it on this one, Daryl. I think Chicago is a mess right now. I I do think when Matt Nagy was talking about the quarterback situation, I I think that's a little bit of a ruse. I think Chicago already knows who's going to be starting on Sunday, but I just don't think it matters. I like Dan Campbell. To get his first win is the Lions take a bite out of the Chicago Bears' kneecap this weekend. I'm going to go Lions 24, Bears 21. I completely agree with you, Ben. I'm going to go with the Lions, too. Uh, and I'll say Lions win 20 to the Bears 19. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Bears' offense. The The Lions, you know, they've lost every game, but they fought like hell in all of them. I think the Lions are going to get their first win of the Dan Campbell era as well. 
Uh, next up, the Houston Texans at my Buffalo Bills. Ben, what do you see? Well, I see a game probably not worth watching because I think there is, the Bills are going to destroy the Texans. Uh, Buffalo right now, as I'm sure you're well aware of, and you're probably very happy about, they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, and that is not going to stop this weekend with a lackluster Texan team coming to town. I'm going to go, Daryl, in this one. I'm going to go Buffalo 35, Houston, I'm going to say 7. I think it's going to be that bad. I'm going to go with the Bills, obviously. And I'm going to say the Bills win, I'll say, 40 to the Texans, uh, 16? I'll say the Texans get 16. I think this is going to be a very bad game. Uh, Davis Mills is going to really, really struggle. I, I, I don't see how he's able to really do anything during this game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of turnovers. It's going to be ugly. We're going to get short fields. And when the Buffalo Bills are getting short fields, that is just dangerous all the way around. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Now, next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts at the Miami Dolphins. Ben, what do you see happening? Well, I think this is where the Colts are going to pick up their first win of the season, Daryl. I think they're just too talented of a team to drop to 0-4. Um, and I, I think there are just some problems with Miami. You know, I think right now Miami has just not looked as good as we thought they were going to look this year. And I'll go with the Colts here to win 27, and I'm going to go with Dolphins 20. Now, for me, this is interesting, Ben, because, you know, very tough. If Carson, is Carson Wentz 100% healthy? Probably not. I mean, when has he ever been 100%? <laughs> ben, you know, isn't that the story of his life, Ben? If Carson Wentz was 100% healthy, he might have won Super Bowl MVP instead of Nick Foles. But I guess if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. So with that in mind... Uh, Jacoby Brissett, he's going to get his first win as the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. And I'm going to say 21 to 14 for the Dolphins. They win a tough physical football game, but they get the job done. Now, next we have the Washington football team at the Atlanta Falcons, a battle of two disappointing football teams. I'm going to go with Washington as well. I think they're going to beat up Atlanta in the trenches. Uh, I'm going to go at uh, Washington 28, Atlanta 20. Now next we have the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. Ben, what do you see happening? Well, um, just like the Chiefs, Daryl, just like the Washington football team, I think this is the weekend that the Seahawks are going to get back on track. I think that the 49ers might be slightly overrated, 
And I think if Seattle can jump out to a lead early, which is a, a possibility, and make um, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers play from behind, I think they have a real shot, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, so I will go with Seattle in this one, 30, uh, 49ers 20. I'm going to go up to San Francisco 49ers, and I'm going to say 27 to Seattle's 24. I just think they have a better roster than Seattle from the offensive line to the uh, defense, defensive line, linebackers. I think they have better corners. I just I think San Francisco's a better team, personally, all the way up and down. Uh, I think there's going to be death by a million paper cuts for Seattle. I think Russell's going to have some turnovers, and I think San Francisco's going to go get out of get out of there with a win. Uh, now, next we have the Arizona Cardinals at the L.A. Rams. Now, here we go, big game of the weekend: the two undefeated teams in the NFC West. Um, you know, after what I saw last weekend for the Rams. I think they're going to return to earth a little bit, but I still am going to pick them because I just cannot justify putting the Cardinals ahead of them with what I've seen so far uh, with the Rams. So I will go Rams 26, Cardinals 18. I'm going to go with you as well. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to say 35 to 30. Uh, I think the D-line, Aaron Donald, they're going to get after Kyler a little bit, bother him a little bit, wear him down, uh, put him on the ground a little bit. Uh, we saw that, you know, we were just talking about this, right? The Bengals were down against the Jaguars. So were the, the Cardinals at one point. The Cardinals did not look their best. Uh, I think they kind of skated away just because they're a more talented team uh, than Jacksonville. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they start against the Rams. But I think right now, McVeigh and Stafford are just in a groove right now. The connection with Stafford and uh, Cooper Cup has proven to be one of the best in the NFL so far. So I'm going to go with the Rams, uh, like I said, 35-30. to 30. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. I don't think this is one that's going to be particularly close. I think at home at Lambeau Field, Aaron Rodgers, getting back in the groove of things. I think the Packers are going to be able to put up 34, and I'm going to say the Steelers are going to have 24. Um, Steelers might not even be able to put up 24, though, because they're not running the ball right now, Daryl, and and I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger with what I've seen from him to go out and win the game, and I know they're going to ask him to drop back a lot of times. I think that's a recipe for um, disaster. Yeah, Ben, this game could get ugly. If Pittsburgh doesn't watch it, they could get ugly. Uh, out of respect for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers' defense, I'm going to say it's 30-14. to 14. With respect, because I, I think there's going to be some short fields where Aaron and Aaron Jones, that the, the Aaron combination gets a couple of quick touchdowns. But this game, we, we could see them get up to 40. Plus, pretty easily, because when you have a bad offense like that, and then Aaron and Matt LaFleur are in their groove, like when they're able to do the pass and the run, like it can get ugly up there in Green Bay. So uh, the Steelers need to tread carefully. Now next we have the Baltimore Ravens at the Denver Broncos. Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think they're going to 
Well, um, we know the Ravens um, have looked really good so far this season, but I think it's going to be too much for them to handle at mile high. We know Teddy Bridgewater is going to manage the game, and we know that Denver defense is for real. I think they're going to create some problems for Baltimore, and I think Baltimore is going to struggle to run the ball. Um, So I will go with the Broncos in what some might feel is an upset, and I think Denver's gonna gonna squeak this one out, 28-24. I'm actually gonna agree with you, Ben. I'm gonna go with the Broncos as well, and I'm gonna say 19 to 13. I think this is gonna be a rough passing day for Lamar. I think we're gonna see Lamar look very pedestrian through the air with this Denver Broncos pass defense. Teddy Bridgewater is gonna manage the game, and Denver's gonna stay undefeated. Now we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New England. Brady is coming home. Are we going to see an upset? Is Bill Belichick going to pull out a defensive masterpiece, Ben? No. <laughs> Look, Tom Brady's going to put up 45. Uh, maybe the boldest prediction of the week. I, I think the Bucs, they, they beat up last weekend. They're going to show up. They're going to they're light up this Bill Belichick defense. I think Brady's just too competitive. He wants this too bad. I'm going to say Bucks 45, Patriots 15. That's it. I'm going to go a much closer score than you. I'm going to say Tampa 21, New England 16. Uh, very slow-paced defensive game. I think Brady's going to have some jitters. I think Belichick, they're going to have a really good game plan for Brady, and it's going to befuddle them. Let's remember, last year with a third-string quarterback, because I believe Jared Stidham might have been starting or whatever, they almost beat Kansas City. When the Kansas City came into Foxborough last year, they were really close with Kansas City for a while. So the Patriots can do it in Foxborough, you know. And I know it didn't look too great against the Saints, but I think they're going to have some time to game plan. They know Brady better than anybody, and Belichick and the crew—they really want this. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than people may think. And lastly, for Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders at the L.A. Rams. Well, Daryl, you know I'm going to have to go with my guy in this one. Um, I trust John Gruden. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, He has Derek Carr playing some amazing football so far this season. And the Raiders just seem to have the magic right now. So I think that's going to continue. And I think um, Las Vegas is going to win this one 33-31. I'm going to go with the Chargers myself, and I'm going to say the Chargers win... Ooh, uh, I'll say 38-40. to 40. It's going to be a very, very high-scoring game. But I think uh, Herbert's going to come out with the win. I think we're going to see Herbert make some really special plays. Because uh, I love me some Justin Herbert. I think he's a borderline top-five quarterback right now. This guy's doing some special things in the NFL. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And then kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have our Week 5 College Football Predictions. Kind of next up, the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six-foot-tall, 180-pounder and said, Quarterback. Throw it on a dime, like you ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. And Coach Franklin down at Andy. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us as we get into our Week 5 
college football prediction. So, number five, Iowa at Maryland. Ben, what do you see? I think it's going to be low scoring, but I like Iowa to win the game, Daryl. I'm going to go Iowa 20, Maryland 13. Iowa gets the win on the road, stays undefeated. I'm going to go with Iowa 21, Maryland 14. I think it's going to be a touchdown game, a lot closer than people may think. Next, we have number 13, BYU at USU. Yeah, this is this is uh, nothing to write home about. Don't even bother watching this. BYU is going to going to just absolutely annihilate these guys. I'll go BYU thirty five, Utah State ten. I'll go BYU twenty eight to Utah State twenty one. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than you. Now we have one of the best games, SEC matchup. Number eight Arkansas at number two Georgia. They're going to Jordan Hare. Can they get it done? Uh, they cannot. I mean, I, Arkansas is a much improved football team this year. Uh, they are looking really good early in the season. But I just don't think, Daryl, that they're going to be able to go into Athens and get the job done against the Bulldogs. I think it's going to be a 10-point game. I'm going to go with the Bulldogs, 35, and I guess then... I'll say 36-26 Bulldogs. I'm going to go with Georgia 24 to Arkansas's 9. I don't know if they can get a touchdown. Georgia has the best defense in all of college football, and it is legit. Uh, So I think that's going to be an issue. Next we have number 14, Michigan at Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Michigan 17 to Wisconsin's 10. I think they're going to find a way to survive on the road. Now, this is a matchup that's usually uh, more talked about for basketball, but we'll do it for football anyway. Duke at North Carolina. Oh, I will go with Sam Howell in North Carolina to win this game. Um, Closer than people think, but I'll I'll go with North Carolina uh, 35, Duke 30. And I'll go with uh, North Carolina as well, and I'll say they win 30-28. Next up, we have Louisville at Wake Forest, the number 24th-ranked Wake Forest. I'm actually going to go with Louisville, Daryl, to win this one. Um, I think Louisville is going to find a way to do this with Malik Cunningham, Uh, and I will say they win this one... 32-28. I'm going to go with Wake Forest, and I'll say they went 26-18. Now, next up, we're going to have one of the better games of this weekend. A game that will be very important in Ben's soul. The number 7th ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. Traveling to South Bend to face the number ninth ranked Notre Dame 
fighting Irish Ben. What do you see unfolding? Well, I see disappointment and disaster for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm going to go with Notre Dame to win the game at home at South Bend. I'm not going to pick against them. And um, I would see Notre Dame winning this one and surviving 33-31 tight game all the way down to the end. I'm going to go with Cincinnati, obviously, and I'll say Cincinnati wins 27 to Notre Dame's 23. They're going to gut out a tough win. Next. I'm looking forward to the game this weekend. I'm going to be honest. Hey, it's a battle of two top 10 teams. Well, I think they're two fake top 10 teams, but yes. <laughs> now we have number three Oregon at Stanford. Uh, Oregon. Oregon's going to win this one, and I think they're going to win 31 28. Stanford's going to make a game out of this. But I think Oregon leads most of the way, but I don't think they cover the eight-point spread. I'm going to go with Oregon in a blowout. I'm going to say Oregon wins 40 to Stanford's 24. Now, arguably the best game of the week weekend. Number 12 ranked Ole Miss Lane Kiffin. They're, tra- they're, tra- they're traveling to Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium, to face the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Saban. Can Lane do it? No. Nick is undefeated against his assistants. Uh, and I think that's for good reason. I'm going to go with Alabama here, Daryl. Um, I'm going to say this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think Alabama 48, Old Miss 40. You want to know what, Ben? There's an old saying in life. Uh... If nobody's ever done it, then why not be the first to do it, right? When somebody says something can't be done, that just means you can be the first person to say you did it. Lane Don't Kiffin. yourself into this. This is crazy. No. Ben, listen. Old Miss had two weeks to prepare. Two weeks to think about this. Two weeks to get ready for the boogeyman. We saw Florida run the ball against Alabama in the swamp. 31 to 29. We saw some chinks in the Alabama armor. This game was very close last year. We've known there have always been some stunners, right? You remember when your guy Johnny Manziel came up in there? The old Miss QB. I'm forgetting his name. His name is stumping me right now. But uh, he's played fabulous so far. I think we're going to see a game for the ages. I'm going with Lane. And I'm going to say 45 to 44, spectacular fashion. I'm going with the Rebels. You're crazy. Well, Ben, you have to lose. They have to lose sometime. (laughs) Maybe next season. (laughs) Next, we have the number six Oklahoma Sooners at Kansas State University. All right. I guess it's time for me to get a little bit crazy on this one. I think this, Daryl, is the weekend... Uh, that Oklahoma finally chokes it up and loses a game. They've been close now for a few weeks. Kansas State, a relatively good football team. I'm going to go with Kansas State in the upset here, and I'm I'm going to go with them 26-24 over Oklahoma. 
I'm going to go with Oklahoma, and I'm going to say they won 20-14. But it's going to be tough. Oklahoma can't block right now. It's not just Spencer Rattler, as many people might think. They, they, they can't block. They're awful in the trenches. Now, let's get to this. Number 11, Ohio State at Rutgers. Ohio State wins 41 nothing in a blowout. Oh, Ben. What? <laughs> ben, I think you're going to call me crazy. I'm going with Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> 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 ben, you're killing me. Ben, why? Well, why are you laughing, Ben? Realistic. I am being realistic. Ben, Ohio State, what has Ohio State done this year to show you that they're any good? They almost lost to Minnesota. They struggled against Tulane or whatever. I mean, they lost to Oregon. There's some chinks in this armor. CJ Shroud isn't even playing. I'm going with Rutgers. And I'm going to say 38 to 34. They're going to make a statement. And you know what's going to happen, Ben? The defense, somebody's getting fired after they lose because Ryan Day isn't going to be too happy. Ben, Ben's not buying the hype, I don't think. Not for a minute. <laughs> wow. well, okay, so better chance that Alabama loses or Ohio State loses? Oh, there's a better chance Alabama loses. Number 10, Florida at Kentucky. Uh, Florida wins. I'm going to say it's closer than people think. Uh, Florida 26, Kentucky 21. I'm going to go with Florida. I'll say they win 33 to Kentucky's 27. Number 21, Baylor at number 19, Oklahoma State. Um, I like Oklahoma State here. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I will go Oklahoma State 31, Baylor 30. I'm going to go with Baylor 27 to Oklahoma State 28. Mississippi State at number 15, Texas A&M. All right. So, um, I will pick my Aggies to win this game over Mississippi State. They will find a way to do it, even though Nick Calzada can't throw a football I don't know how they're going to do it, but they find a way. I think that they edge Mississippi State out 23-20. I'm going to go with A&M over Mississippi State, and I'll say 20-3. to I think they're going to smother them. I don't think Mississippi State's going to have anything for A&M. Uh, Indiana at number four, Penn State. Um. Penn State 33, Indiana 28. There's going to be some turnovers in this game, but I think Sean Clifford is the better quarterback. I'm going to go with Penn State 31 to Indiana's 21. Boston College at Clemson. Um, I'm going to go with Boston College here. I'm not buying all the hype from Clemson. They've looked terrible this season so far. Boston College is going to going to hand Clemson yet another loss on the season, twenty seven to twenty one. 
I'm going to go with Clemson, 36-33. to I think this is going to be like a triple overtime game. And we're going to see a Davos Sweeney uh, sideline interview where he's crying and being like, everybody doubted us. I think we're going to see something like that. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, and Clemson's going to be really tested. Uh, this is this is a game for ACC supremacy right here. If Clemson loses this, they have lost their mantle as the big dogs in the ACC officially. Uh, now next we have number 22, Auburn at LSU. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. Um, I think it's just too hard and too much to ask for this Auburn team as constructed right now. Uh, to go on the road to Death Valley in a night game. Um, I think Ed Orgeron and the guys find a way to get it done. It's going to be kind of ugly, uh, but I think they survive 27-24. I'm going to go with LSU as well, 24-17, in a tough defensive battle. Uh, Arizona State University at UCLA. I will go with Chip and UCLA, as well as that guy that I keep talking to you about, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Look for him to have yet another big game. I think this will be kind of a shootout, but I think UCLA wins 38 to Arizona State's 33. I'm going to go with UCLA as well, and I'll say they win 40 to Arizona State's 31. And that's all we have for the college football predictions. Ben, what was my most shocking pick? Well, I think the uh, most shocking pick is definitely Rutgers upsetting Ohio State. Ben, I'm, I just have a feeling. Ben, will there be... Does that mean there's issues in Columbus if they get upset? If they get upset, yeah. There's, there's going to be some problems. I would agree with you. Somebody's going to get fired. <laughs> it might be more than one person. Some people might not even be on the, um, on the plane ride home. Might be getting stuck in, um, in, in, in the airport in Newark. Ben, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of the Sports Weather Podcast, for coming on the show. I always appreciate it when Ben comes on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 338th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.